0: Hello and welcome to a panel discussion bonus of the Grand Geekery Show where I, Tyler, talk to amazing guests about certain subjects regarding news, rumors, opinions, awareness, or sometimes even a whole field of awesomeness and, and the unknown. Today, I am talking with three amazing guests I can't wait to introduce uh, you two, But we're doing this because since we're not having conventions... We're not having our panels that people like going to, or at least I hope they would like going to them, because if not, that's kind of sad. Um, but this is a way for you to kind of enjoy and see what a panel is like for the Granky Gathering right here in a, in a podcast. Today, I am here with Gabriel, Sophia, and the Paranormal Pixie. And I'll start off, I'll, I'll go in that order, uh, as I see you guys in squares. And uh Gabriel, why don't you tell us about yourself?
1: Oh uh, yeah, so I'm I'm Gabriel Stempinski. I, I live in Southern California, um but I've lived all over the world. Uh I uh am a business consultant by trade. I just started up a, an analytics company and uh excited to be here.
0: And uh, what have you done with the paranormal world? Ah,
1: so with the paranormal world, um so that goes back quite a quite a long way. So I I <laughs> Uh, I got involved with, with the, uh, the, the ghost hunting world in my early twenties. Um, I had, a I had a, a friend that, uh, I'd met when I was living in Southern Virginia who was really big into it. And she talked me, uh, into going on a, a ghost hunt with her, uh, and, I saw I saw some uh really interesting uh stories and we went out to this, this old uh supposedly haunted plantation. I witnessed, you know, my first ghost hunt more of an observer uh and saw the whole team uh, do everything. Now this was like man, this was like almost twenty years ago now. So it was at the very, very beginning of of uh, you know the ghost hunters TV shows yeah. uh, and stuff like that. Um, and so uh, I, I have a, a engineering background, and so I, I started bringing a bunch of different equipment out, figuring it'd be more interesting to try and quantify this more than just saying, oh, I feel a cold spot here, or I have a weird feeling, you know, would set up infrared cameras and, and all that jazz. And that led to being on a MTV show pilot and Discovery Channel's A Haunting and, and a bunch of other stuff. That was uh, all good fun. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah.
0: All right. And Sophia, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Hey, everyone. My name is Sophia Temporelli. I am a 21-year-old radio host and paranormal investigator. I started investigating at the age of eight years old after a ghost hunt on the RMS Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. Um, after that, I actually lived in a haunted house and by age 12, I started my radio show called The Ghost Host on LiveParanormal.com, which I just celebrated nine years on air.
0: That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) And the Paranormal Pixie. I don't know how to, I don't know. Actually, I should have asked how how to call you, but yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Most people just know me as the Paranormal Pixie. I'm Connor Bright. I landed in the paranormal. Um, I always say I never had any chance at being like a normal person ever. My parents are super nerds. I went to conventions growing up and I lived in DC. Uh, And from one side, you can see a cemetery out of my bedroom windows. And the other side, you can see the Pentagon. (laughs) Um, I just never had any choice in my life, but to be obsessed with dead people and conspiracy theories. Um, I tend to come at it more, less from an investigation standpoint and more from a historical researcher. Uh I've worked in the field for about 10 years mostly um LA based but I've traveled the world but mostly on smaller cases uh helping people with families and haunted houses
0: Absolutely thank you guys for being here so much and uh today we're going to be talking about not only just the paranormal community but talking about how to be like a, a a good part of this community and how to avoid and stay away from being a toxic member and something from the paranormal sciences and investigations and everything about that but you know every single fandom has a way for you to be a healthy member of it and sometimes a toxic way of it which is not the greatest and so today the paranormal I I guess craze has been kind of been blowing up especially during this quarantine where people have so much access to so many different mediums that has to do with this kind of research and these investigations with TV shows, movies about stories uh, are in now huge games uh, that have come out. And, and especially a really big indie game that's big for us at Ice stream called Phasmophobia, if y'all have heard of it. And now people have access to, I guess, just all these different mediums about the paranormal. And so how do you guys kind of feel? How has this impacted you in the paranormal investigating and with the community
3: i guess i'll let you guys talk a little bit more because i've never really spent a whole lot of time in the paranormal community itself uh since i'm a historical researcher i i'm always either the the person that's the first person on the case or the last person on the case so, so it's like this weird disconnect um but yeah i guess i'll let you guys talk about more of your experiences in in a ghost hunting like regular environment i've I've been in the paranormal community for 10 years and I've maybe been on 50 ghost hunts. So compared to other people, I know that that is potatoes.
1: would you like to go Gabriel? Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm more of a legacy, uh, <laughs> member of the paranormal community. I haven't, I haven't done any, anything, uh, probably in the last 10 years or so. Um, but as far as the changes, uh, during the pandemic, um, I think that in general, it, a lot of the, ch- the pandemic has brought out uh, the return of hobbies to the general population. Right. So, you know, what we consider to be geekery and, and fandoms and all that it really are just kind of traditional hobbies and, and the fast pace of the world um, and the fact that, you know, we're always on the go, I think has, has killed that that sense of, of recreation and and enjoyment for a lot of people. Um, And, and now it's becoming a lot more democratized because everyone's world has shrunk down a little bit. Right. And so there, there's not so much of a, uh, an abundance of choice of, of what you can do with your life and you're not being flooded with uh, all these activities. And, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of people that, that have a lot of free time because they're, they're out of work um and so you know we we tend to gravitate to trying to find something at least seemingly meaningful to fill that time with um and and you know obviously with halloween just happening recently and and uh you know the streaming services putting out some really great paranormal movies lately i i think that there's uh you know at least that's probably partially responsible for some of the resurgence of interest that we saw in the early 2000s when you know ghost hunters was such a huge show and and there were all those different spin-offs that were were happening on all the different channels MTV's fear um and so um i i think that we're we're probably seeing an upswing uh, of that that side of the culture now due to uh the pandemic and and the fact that there's there's more eyes focused on kind of fewer things?
2: I have been in the paranormal for 13 years now. And personally, I think that with the paranormal, there's always a resurgence when there is paranormal shows in pop culture, whether it's fictional or non-fictional. Um, Like Gabriel was saying, back in the 2000s, you had MTV's Fear, you had Ghost Hunters, then Ghost Adventures. Nowadays, you have Destination Fear, where people are going to abandon locations. And they're young people, so that's going to draw in people of a similar age and make them want to do the same thing you have video games like phasmophobia you have tv shows like legacies previously the originals and the vampire diaries charmed and although these shows are scripted um i think it makes people think well is there more to it what are a lot of these characters based off of in teen wolf you had the nogitsune which is based off of japanese folklore so it it makes you think where does this come from and is there more to it? So I think when you have pop culture, and especially in a pandemic, you have real things like YouTubers going out and investigating and these fake things, and it makes people want to try it. Um, if you're living somewhere like Iowa, you have more access to abandoned locations where in abandoned location, no one else should be around you. So you're safely socially distanced. And so it brings people's curiosity up because they have time to sit and think. But I think that um, when you go into these situations, you can also be uninformed, um, because although it does look fun and cool to go into abandoned locations, a lot of times they are abandoned for a reason, whether it's health or physical reasons. And um, so I think it is great to have the paranormal more mainstream and less taboo, more accepted. Um, If someone's going through home haunting, they're not looked at like a freak. Um, But it also brings in a whole new dynamic where it's people going into these abandoned locations not realizing hey i could fall through three stories of floorboards because it's unsafe so mm-hmm. i think with the pandemic it brings new curiosity um new ways to kind of spread the world word about you know there being more to this world and real life but also more dangers with it
0: yeah that's that's perfect cause i actually was going to ask about that and that was kind of one of the big things Uh, that kind of prompted me into wanting to do this panel discussion where it's kind of the accessibility. And for now, people are getting a little bit more um, invested into it. And I've been reading articles about how people are getting more and more into wanting to know about paranormal stuff. And now that, again, people have access now and are so thrilled and it's things that you can do by yourselves and, and stuff. But going in and not knowing if a place is safe, not having the proper things or knowledge of things, I mean, that has to be something that can definitely hinder the community. I mean, how do you guys kind of feel about, I mean, I guess Sophia's already told us about that, but I guess uh, Pixie, since, you know, you can, you go in and out and you, you know, a little bit about this stuff prior, how do you feel about the yeah. people who kind of don't?
3: Um I also give a lot of tours and stuff too and a lot of times I'll walk by like abandoned buildings and be pointing them out and the first thing I tell people is I'm telling you this building is abandoned but you should not go into it because you should not do that um especially with the abandoned buildings and stuff like that um it's just you always have to be careful usually when I go to a building to like scope it out and be there. I've got a building manager or somebody that has been to the property before to show me around because I, I'm not getting lost. I'm clumsy as heck. If there is something to step on and give yourself tetanus, I will do it. Same. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and I just tell people that like, just be aware of what you're going in with. It may you wear thick boots. Number one, wear thick boots. <laughs> Wear
2: thick boots. I would say also another thing people should be wary of in um, abandoned locations is sometimes there are real people there. Um, in a pandemic or otherwise, you don't know who these people are, um, which I is also poses. Yeah, oh wow! Yeah. Um, yeah. I was interviewing a YouTuber, um, Colin Browen from the Paranormal Files, and he says that he encounters people sometimes. And when I was on a different radio show with him, he said that there was this one guy um, when he was in a abandoned mental asylum. And after it closed down, the guy never left. And he usually walks around the building. And so you don't know the danger level, especially not just with the physical state of the building, but who's actually in there. Um, so I think that is a large risk sometimes, too. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. And and again, uh, you know, if you're doing these investigations from you know a scientific standpoint, you've got to control variables, right? So you've got to make sure that you understand all the entrances and exits to the building. You've got to make sure, you know, you understand what the ventilation's like, where points of air coming in or out would be. So it, it's... It's incredibly hard to do that. There's a lot more variables in a place that's maybe in disrepair.
0: Absolutely. Right.
1: If you're trying to detect sound and and there's, you know, an old creaky building that that hasn't been maintained and it's really drafty, you're going to get a lot of uh, you get a lot of variables and and you're not going to be able to get the best data um, or, or data that you can necessarily not attribute data points that you can't attribute to a whole bunch of things that aren't paranormal. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's going to abandoned places is all fun and good for the spook factor. But if you're, if you're trying to do it from a more analytical standpoint, there are actually some of the worst places you can investigate in my opinion.
0: Do you think that there's kind of like this bridge that goes across with some, with people who, I, I guess they're just like, you know, they're just so excited to kind of get into it and becoming who are still just a community as opposed to being investigators. Like I know a lot of, you know, a lot of things like if you can Baker Baker, but I think something like this, where there's more of a science, there's a lot kind of going with it. Is there something that, what do you think is kind of the more, I guess, deciding factor oh. if you're a fan or you're part of the community as opposed to part of the science of it?
1: There's a lot of gatekeeping, right? Stupid there, of gatekeeping. There's a lot of gatekeeping. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people out there that that see kind of like the thrill tourists, the people that go and and just want to have like a spooky good time. Um and and they're really dismissive towards them or dismissive towards like the psychic sensitive folks. Uh so you know, you really have this dichotomy of people who are seekers that they're trying to like solve a mystery um and do, you know, a lot of historical research and do a lot of maybe scientific analysis. Uh, And then you have the the people that are more looking at this from like an emotional standpoint or from a spiritual standpoint. And, and, you know, you really end up with like two camps, right? I, I've, I've certainly always been uh, more interested in the analytical side where, um, you know, I, if there is something uh, mysterious out there, I'd really like to find evidence of it. Right. That would be really fun and interesting. Um but you know i I also think there's a place for the the people that are maybe looking for a spiritual experience or people that are just looking for some like spooky fun um you know and i I think that it's it's kind of a shitty thing to do to to you know cast dispersions on on really any side of that.
2: I would say you know I don't personally any interest in the paranormal is always good because I think it takes some fear away from. Ghosts, you know, I lived in a haunted house and it was not a good experience for me. It was very traumatic, but not every ghost is bad. And I think that's very important for people to know. Just experiencing it is always a good thing to just kind of understand the other aspects to life. What comes along with that is you also should recognize the dangers that not every ghost is good either. And when you're investigating Um, You can bring something home with you. You can get an attachment. And I think a lot of times when people investigate, they don't really understand that because you see movies like Casper the Ghost, but then you see Annabelle and those are two very drastic things. There is ghost in the middle, then, you know, they can be at either end. Um, So I think that anyone should be welcome into the field because it's a great learning experience and can help people understand life and life after we pass on. Um, but also that there should be more information out there about a lot of the things that people don't understand that comes along with ghost hunting as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Uh, I'll just add, and a lot of people, I feel like especially people that are just getting into it, people that are watching ghost adventures and stuff like that. You, you People go to a place expecting action. You know, they're like, I'm going to go mm-hmm. to this place and I'm going to see a ghost. of ghost hunting is sitting there in a room by yourself, talking to the air, hoping something answers you.
1: Yeah, hours and hours of boredom.
3: Hours and hours, so be prepared to sit there for hours and hours and hours and not get anything.
2: Um, And evidence review afterwards, too, takes just as long. So, so Absolutely. yeah, you're
3: ready to review the evidence because you might not have gotten something that day, but you sure or like something that you heard, but you sure as hell heard something, uh, like your audio heard something or something else heard something. Um, yeah,
1: that's always and then you know that's also the preparation, right, uh, to, to that mm-hmm. point, because again, if your audio heard something, how do you know that wasn't somebody two rooms away talking? right? Mm-hmm. So you you really, it's almost like a crime investigation. You want to remove as much kind of contamination and variables from the scene as possible. Uh, you know, if you're recording audio, you need to understand exactly who's in the building, where they're at at all times, uh, you know, because someone could be downstairs and there could be a, a vent duct and, and their conversation could come through sounding like whispers from downstairs. Right. And so eliminating those variables as much as humanly possible is really important. If, if you're actually trying to do this in an analytical fashion, um,
3: mm-hmm. a good easy way to do it. If you're ghost hunting on a team, especially now, cause it's all on our phones, every person on your team should have their own voice recorder going.
0: Mm-hmm. I, uh, I've been doing a lot of, of, uh, yeah, not investigating, but I'll do a lot of research, um, before doing this and, and, looking at what a lot of these TV hosts and and another famous paranormal investigators have have talked about. And Aaron from ghost adventures would talk about, and this is what's leading me to my my next question was talking about how it's gotten to a point where people know where they're going and knowing you know what investigation is going to happen and people hang out after um outside of it and stuff like that and i imagine that that could be happening to a lot of investigations of people who hear that some, somebody's doing something when communicating with with the fans or pan, paranormal enthusiasts who do not investigate what's the best way for them to not interfere with investigations evidence or even just the validity of of, of the findings
3: have what you find reviewed not by your friends not by somebody else reach out to I don't want to say like a professional because I kind of hate calling myself that because I think it's weird to be a ghost professional. Um, but but find somebody to show your footage if you are going to an investigation. Show that to somebody to have them validate it before you post something online. And you're like, I guess this is more for people that are doing investigations, um, more so than like not infringing on other people's investigations but it goes into the same line just kind of be polite um don't go and hassle Zach Bagans like you know if you need to set out a schedule for a location because it's so popular do it uh Linda Vista Community Hospital out here was one of those big places where people Mm love to go and ghost hunt and yeah they just started finally they just started creating a system uh,
1: you know as far as again going back to controlling the scene uh is, is super important but i i never really you know again i, I didn't really publicize anything we usually uh, would only publish results after uh everything was finished yeah. and it was you know back in the early 2000s so there wasn't a lot of you know social media, Twitter, that sort of thing to stalk people on. So, you know, back in the good old MySpace days. Um I think I think asking questions is a great way to be a positive member of the community and asking questions with an open mind. Again, because there's a lot of people that go about this in different ways. Um you know we talked about kind of the dichotomy between the the analysts and and the the spiritual seekers. Um, and it, I think where it gets really toxic, um, is kind of the malicious debunking. I, I'm, I'm totally a fan of, of putting kind of scientific rigor around things. Um, but if it's clear that people are out there just trying to have spooky fun, um, or, or trying you know to look at it from maybe a metaphysical or a spiritual angle, um, I think it's, it's really, uh, inappropriate to go in and, and, you know, kind of, well, actually them, right. Um, Mm -hmm. because again, that's really not what they went out looking to, to achieve, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if someone's out there trying to claim evidence and trying to claim that they, you know, they're following rigorous scientific method, then by all means, put, put it to as much scrutiny as possible with, you know while being polite and engaging in a reasonable conversation but um you know, just read the room right
0: yeah absolutely
2: um yeah i would agree um that i think a lot of times in the paranormal field um when it comes to evidence there's a lot of trust involved because when someone's reviewing something with the internet there are so many ways to fake things that You really have to have trust in the evidence. And I think a lot of times when you don't know someone or haven't had that trust built, um, you question it a lot more than if you already have kind of a bond established with someone. And I think a lot of times that can lead to people automatically disbelieving someone or telling them they're wrong. Um, For instance, if someone lives in a haunted house, they may not be in the paranormal field. Um, so they don't have a bond with any paranormal investigator. Now, their case could be something as simple as you've seen on the early ghost hunters where they would check the doors. Maybe it's just creaky in an old house or a leaky faucet. So some things are debunkable, but um, I think a lot of times when people live in a haunted house like that, there is a fear involved because there is unknowns and just not knowing what to do. And even if it is something as simple as their house is old and it's not actually haunted um a lot of times people just tell them they're wrong or just try to critique them and i think a lot of times that doesn't make it easier on the homeowner um even if it is something as simple as a leaky faucet that is turning itself on because it's not screwed on tightly um that it just makes it harder for people and so i think a lot of times people just need to listen and try and see other people's point of view instead of just shutting them down immediately. Because there are solutions and ways to help without just shutting people down.
1: Yeah, actually, if if I can hop in here, I have I have a I have a great cautionary tale around that. Um, it, back in it was probably like 2003. A local news channel uh, in in southern Virginia had reached out uh, during the Halloween season. They wanted to have uh, they wanted to televise a, a ghost hunt. Um, on the local news. And so we went out and, and to this this lady that sweared her old plantation house was super, super haunted. Um and so we got a team, we went out there and I, you know, got all the equipment out and they did the whole interview with her about the backstory and the history. And then they they went they went and filmed us doing the walkthrough and you know I went up and through the house and I measured all the temperatures everywhere. And you know, she was talking about big temperature variations in one certain room and how with all the windows closed, there'd still be a breeze in that room. And, and, you know, and then she went and and talked about how there was really uh, that, that she, she had like a really bad smell in this one room one time. And, and so long story short, they televised, televised like the kind of the forensic side of the investigation and, Uh, We found out in the attic, there was a a big ventilation window that was like wide open. And there was an HVAC duct that had a huge gap in it, a huge hole in it right next to that. And it led right into the room, she said, had a cold breeze in it. And so it was just cold air coming in through the attic. Um, And then the room that she said had a nasty smell. When we looked in the crawl space underneath, there was this big giant skeleton that was like maybe a dead raccoon or something.
2: And so there was just
1: something decomposing under hardwood floors and it made her room stink. And so when, when we basically at the end of the, the story, we came to the conclusion that like, look, the house, you know, we're not everything that she's saying, like we've it's, it's because of these things. Um, it really hurt this lady's feelings, right? To basically be called out on the news and said that like, you know, oh, you dummy, you jumped to some paranormal conclusion when it was really totally explainable if you just look around a little bit. Not that we said that, right? But but that's how she felt, right? That's how she took it. And so um, that was a big lesson for me, for for like 22-year-old me and like maybe how to be a little more tactful about this, right? Because there's a, there's a lot of people that are, thoroughly convinced and you can't tell them otherwise um that their house is haunted even when you show them you know really clear um and very plausible explanations for the things they they say that they're experiencing um and they they take it really personally right almost as if you're calling them a liar or, or uh you're calling them stupid right and so um being tactful about it or or sometimes you know Not even saying anything, right? If if you if you if you find something that that you can really heavily debunk, and but somebody's like emotionally committed to the idea that you know there are people that have bought houses because of a haunted history, right? And they've they've dumped maybe their life savings into this thing, and it literally harms nobody to let them continue believing what they believe, and and just being grateful you had the opportunity to go kind of poke around. Right, so, yeah. so I think that's it's it's important to to have a kind of a sense of tact uh around that.
3: I was just gonna add on uh don't try not to say voice your opinion unless you are asked for an opinion that I think is mm-hmm. the, the key in it usually for me is like I. I can look at a picture and I I can tell you, I know that that's not a ghost, but unless you are asking me if I think it's a ghost, I'm going to let you think that.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) I know like a lot of people uh, in the fandom, uh, in the paranormal fandom, like they thrive on knowing stories and experiences and stuff like that. I guess in a situation like that, where everything is very, very easily explained, like I know also with the homeowner's, that that are very convinced. You know, obviously, you have to treat that a completely separate, very sensitive way. But the people who yearn for more evidence, uh, you know, for the thousands of reasons that, that they have, like either they want to know about, you know, the afterlife or loved ones, you know, they they just want a bunch, either answers or the thrill of it, maybe just there's so many different reasons for somebody to be a huge fan of of the science. And how do you kind of or how would you i guess treat uh the fandom with that like with blogs your own shows
3: so with my tours and my my because i do paranormal tours and i do have a weekly paranormal um like live stream called the spooky report um and when we do those we we approach it from a very um historical fact-based point um and usually my my co-host kurt froze and i um We'll we'll go through, like, the basic information. He's more of a scientist. I'm definitely the believer. Um, and then we'll usually have a, a guest that is the, the, like, tie-in because the people want the story, right? And I, not always my, like, a lot of these stories, even though I'm the one telling them, they're not mine to tell. So it's nice to bring people in who have their own stories to tell.
2: For me, I do an interview-type show every Saturday, and I think... Well, I have a variety of guests. I've had demonologists on, paranormal investigators, um, you know, psychics, uh, just people from all types of fields in the paranormal. I've had cryptozoologists. So um, my show is really just to interview these people who have extensive backgrounds in the field or if they're psychic. um, A lot of times we have guests um, who are psychic and we take callers and it really gets... The word out there about these psychics and just kind of helps people figure out who is best for them because not every psychic is best for everyone um so i think with shows like mine it's just good if you have a specific field of the paranormal you're in to just kind of listen to these people who've been doing it for years and just get information um i hope that answered your question yeah
0: absolutely of course, like yeah, catering to your audience and the people who you know who watch your show and making sure that, yeah that basically everybody is I guess comfortable is always going to be a very important thing to always have on. And yeah, how about you, Gabriel?
1: Yeah, and I mean you'd be surprised how many people uh, that aren't directly involved are, are still interested, right? So, um, so like I said at the beginning of the show, I have engineering backgrounds. So I, I was a radio chemist in my earlier days dealing with radioactive materials. Um, and, and we had one lady that uh, had said she saw orbs flying through her house. And then when they flew out her window, they left this mark in her screen in the window, the circular mark. And so I said, Oh yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll check this out. So they gave us the screen and and I, I ran it through uh mass spectrometer and, and, you know, found that it actually had some, some, traces of radioactive elements in it so it was really interesting stuff and when i was telling the the guys in the lab again you know it's it's not that like that's definitive proof of the supernatural it's just something weird that we can't explain uh when i was telling the guys in the lab i i was really shocked that all of these these kind of you know hard-hitting analytical science types and lab geeks um were really really interested in in the concept right or really interested in like wow that's that's a crazy story tell me more um so you you know you're really surprised about the kinds of people in the walks of life that that uh that you know would would be into it or would be interested in maybe even lending a hand um I've, i've heard of people going and and taking, uh, you know, evidence to universities and and showing it to professors. And, you know, sometimes you think, oh, I'm going to go show something to a, a physics professor at, at Caltech and they're going to laugh me out of the room. But you'd be shocked at how quickly they respond to the email.
3: Everybody wants to answer an unknown question. On
1: what's yeah, exactly. The, the, it, that's exactly it. The, you know, no matter what it is, anything that's a mystery or something that's kind of unexplained peaks human curiosity regardless of where you are on the educational or belief spectrum it's it's always something that kind of raises an eyebrow and makes makes you say uh hmm of course
0: yeah i um sorry i'm just i'm trying to (laughs) kind of channel through all this because for years i i've always loved following and following blogs and in forums and stuff like that. I know forums aren't really around anymore, more like Facebook groups. Every single time of of getting getting new research and getting new getting new intel, I guess, on from people who who, who put stuff in and then you know, or have interviews with people or have you know uploading the stuff to YouTube. Feeding and, and getting all this information so instant is fascinating to me. I mean what do you think are kind of the, the best ways for people to i guess get the knowledge. Uh I know two of you guys have your own shows, which is a fantastic way for people to get the more in depth and the, the more knowledge of of what's happening, what's current and in you know hearing it from the horse's mouth and stuff. But what else do you think you guys wh- wh- I, I guess what are some of the the best ways for people to to become part of this community?
1: I mean, in my opinion, um it's really easy to find people interested in this, you know, you in pretty much in any metropolitan area you can find some some group or groups. Uh so that's that's really a piece of cake, but at the end of the day you really don't need much, right? Even if it's just you and a buddy. Um do do a little bit of research uh in places and methods and uh you know, be safe and kind of write a plan out of what you're hoping to find, what evidence you'd like to gather or things like that. If you're going on private property, uh, you know, maybe call and ask permission first. So you don't end up getting, you know, some old farmer shooting you on accident. Uh, you know, there's, there's no shortage of stories out there about people that, that do urban exploring uh, or go trespassing and end up getting shot or arrested. So yeah, and always
3: um, somebody know where you are.
1: That's yeah. Probably. And let somebody <laughs> exactly listen. So you do, you know, it's, it's really easy to get into. It's, it's not something that you need a whole bunch of experience or training. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, you can you can be an autodidact and really train yourself. Um, and it's really easy to find groups. And if it's something you're interested in or something that you think might be fun, um, I highly encourage it. It's a great social distancing activity. Right. During the, the pandemic to go find some place and, in, in, you know camp out for 3 or 4 hours and record and and take pictures and you know as long as you you've got permission maybe a cemetery or something like that would be great
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe I'll also have um
2: Yeah, I mean I agree. I when I started out I went on a ghost tour on the Queen Mary. Um I think for people interested um ghost tours or ghost hunts um in your area is a good way to just kind of test the water and just kind of see what it's like on it. Um, I know that's not really how people investigate it, but it kind of shows you in a more fast paced way um, what investigating's is like. Um, look for someone in the field who is on a team or someone who's an, I mean, no one's really an expert in the field, but someone who's been doing it a while. So you can kind of reach out, find information from someone who um, just has a lot of experience, do research online Um, see what you like about the field. Um, I know kind of starting in, probably home hauntings aren't really the way to go because you do have people's feelings attached to it. Um, And there are people with actual home hauntings um, that need help. So um, just starting off like that, I don't think really is the way to go, but kind of see what you like about the field. Is it historical buildings? Is it abandoned buildings? Um, Do you eventually want to work your way up to doing home hauntings um what is it about the field you like is it the research aspect is it answering a question you have about life um just kind of start that way
3: um yeah uh, i mean ghost tours you should definitely come on most more ghost tours that's what i do when you're able to go on ghost tours again look me up (laughs) (laughs) but um i always tell people like in addition to do your research um have a list of questions that you want to ask the spirits, the ghosts, whatever's there. Have a general idea of something that you are looking for them to answer. Make them simple questions. Yes or no questions. Like um, One of my favorite check-ins that I've ever learned was asking what year it is or asking who's president. Are these weird tips and tricks that I think most people don't you know like you don't learn until you're in the field with a lot of these things and so getting out in the field is definitely the priority but having an idea of what you want to ask the room the space the spirits there is a good way to go into it I think from um,
0: and uh it's time for the last question tonight thank you guys so much for being here and the last question tonight is going to be what is a favorite what is your favorite experience that you've had with the fandom so like maybe like a single moment on your show or um maybe like emails a comment or anything like that or you know with with gabe maybe with somebody that you've told about the research or some of your stories about but what is your what is your favorite moment with like a fan
1: uh i mean i'll i'll kick this off my 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 favorite moment was was actually kind of the hokiest moment um so i was uh on the pilot episode of what would eventually become mtv's fear and uh they basically took a bunch of kids from the college of william and mary in southern virginia and we went out to this old mortuary that had been around for like 200 something years with like Real bodies in the embalming room and stuff like that. Um and so we you know, basically the the gist of it was here's a bunch of college kids that are gonna go on a, a ghost hunt in a haunted place with real ghost Oh, hunters. I thought you meant
0: like real kids. I was like really scared for a second. I was like, No, That's no, no, cool. college
1: students, right? But like I'm sorry, I am I'm, I'm forty years old. So <laughs> no, like totally cool. <laughs> Yeah. So anyone without gray <laughs> hair is like feels like a kid to me now. So um i know it's like I'm, i've officially crossed over I, i'm like halfway i'm halfway to a ghost myself um so so anyway as soon as we get there the producer calls me aside and says okay now i need you to set a bunch of stuff up to make it scary and i was like all right i saw this coming so we went around and set up like you know light fishing line so when we could like pull on it from another room and it would make a book fall off the shelf and scare people. And it just made me realize like, wow, so much of the stuff you see on TV is totally staged because if it, if it was real, the the shows would be so boring. There would be nothing to see. Um, so basically it was, it was like a five hour shoot and four of those hours were, um, me, a handful of people in the production crew, like setting up things that would setting, basically setting up haunted house effects to scare these college kids. And I had no idea that was going to happen until we actually got there. And, and uh, it, it, it was kind of interesting to break the fourth wall and, and peek behind the curtain at, at how fake so much of the, the stuff that's televised really is. That was probably, that's probably my favorite experience um of, and, and man, we scared the hell out of those kids too. Scared them horribly because th- we took them on a tour, you know, even, even like lifted one of the, bl- the sheets and showed them one of the bodies that was, you know, getting prepped for embalming that night and really set a spooky scene. And man, they, they you know, half of them like ran out of the building screaming scared. It was, uh, it, it was quite the, uh, quite the event, but completely fake. <laughs>
0: It's funny. I don't think I could like. That's why like I like I really wanted to talk about this. I've been really like I've been really excited, but also very nervous talking talking to y'all because like this is something I really care about. I really love and but like I know I'm so eighty. I I am ADHD. So I know like in the whole reality of sitting there for hours and hours and hours is like literally the worst thing ever. Even if I like that's tough. I can't even sit through a movie. Um So. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it, it's, that's why, like, I love living through, and, and uh, you know, it also is, it kind of hurts as well, like, you know, knowing a lot of the shows are a, li- a little falsified, maybe not always a hope, I mean, I would hope, I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt and say that they're not always a 100% falsified, but it, it, that's why I live through real experiences and talking and, 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 um, reading more and more on the research uh, aspect of it and become, and being part of the fandom, which is why I really wanted to have this conversation and, um, absolutely that is crazy Alrighty,
2: righty i would say for me um this isn't really a fan moment but i was fortunate enough to be on the season 10 premiere episode of ghost adventures um oh, cool. and it was one of the best investigations i've ever been on in my life we investigated the rms queen mary um it that was, was so you can... sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah i've seen almost funny. every
0: season uh, uh, episode i'm two seasons behind right now but yeah
2: Yeah, I was on the RMS Queen Mary episode when I was 15 on my very last day of my freshman year. Um, I was very fortunate to do that. We caught some amazing evidence that didn't make it on air. Um, I can definitely say a lot of people say is Ghost Adventures real? Nothing I saw that night was falsified. Um, That's awesome. And it was incredible. It was one of the I've investigated the Queen Mary so many times. It was the first place I ever investigated. And I had never seen it like I did that night. It was amazing. Um, It's since been taken off air due to some unfortunate circumstances. But it was I was so fortunate to be a part of that. And it is one of my favorite paranormal moments.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I yeah, I, I was I was also hoping because I know they have like the Aaron interviews where he talks about how it's real and stuff like that, and like that's always one of those things. But I've always liked I've always liked the show. I know that Zach can be a little corny, but I like the show.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it was great. I will say one thing: like Zach may be corny, but he know Like he is legit. Mm. Like
1: yeah.
3: he believes he is a, a hardcore believer. Um, my one of my great mentors in the field, Ursula Bielski, she's worked with him on multiple occasions and her thing is like, you can't have a conversation with them. That's not about a ghost.
0: Oh Wow. Okay. That's cool.
3: But and he'll say that himself too. He's a, he's a legit dude. That's um, so cool. I, my favorite paranormal, like fandom moment. Like, um, I was giving a bus tour. I used to give a bus tour back in the day when people could be on buses together. <laughs> of, uh, Los Angeles. And one of the stops is the Cecil Hotel. Mm, um, yeah. Which, uh, they, for those that don't know, in 2012, a uh, young girl, El- Elizabeth Lamb, she was found dead in the water tank at this hotel. But it also has another, it, it has this really, really dark history. There's been like mm-hmm. over a hundred suicides at this place. Mm-hmm. And it's got all of these crazy stories. The Night Stalker operated out of there, Richard Ramirez. Um And while I'm driving and I like I'm giving a tour to a bus full of cheerleaders, which I never thought that I would be doing that. But here I was. And as we pull up and I start talking about the Cecil Hotel, one of the girls just bursts into tears. And I'm like, what happened? What's going on? And I like stop talking. And she just turns to look at her mom And it's like I told you her room was haunted. I told you. I have never felt so bad, but it also was just so the mom was mortified too because she was like, I had told my daughter to like suck it up. Like I didn't believe that she was dealing with this, and now like you're telling me. Uh, And so it kind of started the, the the mother and daughter off on kind of exploring her own psychic abilities, and was a really Good lesson that when I pull up to hotels I should ask if anybody's staying there. Uh, before
2: wow. I start
0: That's crazy. <laughs>
2: My favorite story. I knew it was haunted. She was so upset.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh thank you guys so much for being here. This is uh eye opening and also it's been a lot of fun and just I, I i'm i'm kind of i'm like low-key geeking out right now so but anyways uh thank you go thank you all so much uh for being here and it is now time for you guys to plug your shows and everything where they can find you how often tell us all the stuff and i'll start with sophia since your block is first now on my screen
2: <laughs> okay um my show is called the ghost host on live com. it's every saturday from 12 to 1 p.m uh pacific standard time 3 to 4 p.m eastern standard time um you can also find some of the shows archived on blog talk radio youtube.com we film some of them and post them there you can follow me on twitter at sophia temporelli instagram at sophia temporelli and also at the ghost Toast show on twitter
0: perfect thank you and uh paranormal pixie well
2: uh
3: i am the paranormal pixie at paranormal pixie on instagram i've got a facebook page for the paranormal pixie um i have my own website the it's I post there sporadically, but they're always going to be long deep dives into something. Um, Most recently, I did a flat earth one that I'm really proud of, or a hollow earth I'm really proud of. I do want it started on flat earth instead of go to hollow earth, but uh, you can also find me every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time on the Nerdbot Facebook page with my paranormal show, The Spooky Report.
0: Awesome, and we love Nerdbot, so yeah. All right, and Gabe.
1: I don't have a, I, I don't really have a lot to plug since I, I haven't really been involved in, in the scene for, you know, 15 years almost, <laughs> but I do want to give a shout out to the Center for Paranormal Research and Investigation, which is the the group I used to belong to. Um, they're, they're, uh, a, a bunch of great people and, and for the most part, take a, a really, uh, open scientific view, uh, on, on investigations and, and they do some, do some, uh, really interesting uh they get they get access to a lot of really interesting places so (laughs) so uh feel free to look them up they've done some really cool investigations over the last 20 years
0: absolutely uh again thank you all so much for being here all the links and all the information will be in the article as always on our website and uh go check them out and watch their shows and all the stuff thank you guys again for being here and thank you listeners for listening in you can check out all of your sh- all of our shows and offerings on the we have our articles our videos and so much more there as well i stream on twitch and we also have our youtube channel and all the other stuff please follow us on facebook instagram twitter and join our discord as well and our music has been provided by carlisle laurent have a wonderful week wear a mask and ggg <laughs> Grand Geek Gathering